Hey guys, Red here from Game Devs Quest with this week's quick tip. Always, always, always back up your work. I can't stress this enough. We've all had it happen at one point or another. Put dozens of hours of work into a project just to have it disappear into the ether of hard drive problems or God knows what else. There are tons of services out there. If you're looking for complete hard drive backup, you can't go wrong with some of the services like Carbonite, iDrive, Backblaze. But if you're just looking to back up some of your project files, you can't go wrong with some of the free options. Take a look at Dropbox or even Google Drive, which comes with 15 gigabytes of free storage. You'll never lose your project after hours of hard work again. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to this week's episode of Game Devs Quest, your once-weekly podcast following two game dev scrubs and a game devdom. If we can do it, you can too. I'm Rhett. I'm Taylor. And this week, we're joined with another very special guest host. You guys might know him as the mind behind Grape Escape. Uh, we got Madikins in the house. Go ahead and say hello. Hello. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Dude. So, we're going to just shoot the shit. Talk some game dev, talk about Grape Escape, hopefully, and uh, whatever else strikes our fancy, so. Yeah. So, Maddykins, yeah, thanks for coming on, man. I've been looking forward to this for a long time. Me too. Uh, you've been hanging out on my stream, like, pretty much since the inception, dude, so, yeah. I, yeah, I think since, like, beginning of December, end of November. It was, yeah. I think, before I did that Ludum Dare, where I did Danger Noodle, <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think I was we started hanging out a little bit before then. Yeah, I love Danger Noodle. <laughs> it's such a good name too. <laughs> Hell yeah. yeah! But uh, yeah, dude, tell us a little bit about yourself. Like, uh, what what you do for a living? What you plan to do? Where where you started with game dev? All that kind of good stuff. Oh man, um, let's see. So currently for a living, I'm a software engineer for a finance company down here in San Diego. So I work on like loan underwriting software which sounds really boring but it's actually some cool code and i work with a really good group of people so that's fun but like ultimately what i want to be doing is you know obviously game development right (laughs) so been in i got into game development when i was like 12 or 13 like i wanted to like just do it right i played i spent like all my time playing video games and so I've spent about three years making, like, colored rectangle dodging simulators and Python and whatever else. <laughs> so, um, that's kind of how I like, got my bearings programming. And then I sort of kind of not took a break, but I realized that making websites actually made me money and making games didn't. So, I did that for a few years, and then I've kind of found my way back to it. So, yeah, trying man. to make a more serious go at it nowadays, I think. That's awesome. Nice. So you first started learning programming when you were like trying to make games, basically. Is that how you got interested in programming? Yeah, I, my <laughs> first experience with it, I don't even, I've never been able to find it. But the icon for it was like this little green frog. It was this like IDE meant for kids, like meant to like teach you how to program by making video games. Oh, cool. <laughs> and that was like a C plus plus style language, and that was like my very first introduction to it. That was like the first programming I did ever. Yeah. Um, yeah. Nice. That was like Sweet. what? How? That was like eight years ago. 
Uh, almost 10 at this Dang. point. Thanks, Taylor. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. I know. So I was like, I was like out of high school already or something. Yeah. Uh, I, there's this long running joke because Maddie, like, Maddie is such a good programmer. I watch him develop his game Grape Escape and I'm just like blown away constantly. And I, like, he's seven years younger than me. So I just always <laughs> constantly feel inferior to him. <laughs> so. That's my uh, goal. because you are. It's not It's not a feeling. To right. Me. A I fact. mean, I know it's true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, oh, so I want to g- get into Grape Escape, but like one of the big questions I have for you, because like I said, like watching you code, first of all, it's insane because you you like practically only use the key the keyboard with them and you just like go on a thousand miles a minute uh so it's like super impressive um i i want to know like what your biggest challenges as a programmer are because like for me i feel like i've been stuck in this rut where i'm learning the basics constantly like over and over and over um and i can't really escape out of that but for you i feel like you're on a really high level and so I just wonder, I mean, like, obviously, right now you're doing stuff with OpenGL, which for, I feel like for the average programmer, that's not something that they would just dive into. So that's challenging in and of itself. But, like, what are some of the things that you run into that, like, hang you up, I guess, at this point? Uh, um <clears throat> I think the biggest thing I struggle with, which is obvious if you look at, like, how Grape Escape has been developed, is, like, I get something, like, 80% of the way done, and I'm like, ah, fuck it, let's rewrite it. So, (laughs) like, we originally had Grape Escape done, like, in JavaScript with the web build, and that was the one that got posted on Newgrounds, and then I was like, oh, you know, let's rewrite it in C++. And then, like, a couple weeks ago, I was like, oh, this has gotten too easy. Let's let's rip out all the rendering code and use, like, new OpenGL. And so, like, I'll see you guys in a month when I've decided to rewrite it in, like, assembly. Because that's, that's the way it's going at this point. Um, yeah, I think I struggle with, like, uh, like, I think through how I'm coding by, like, actually coding. And it ends up not being the best code most of the time. So, I go back and I iterate a lot and I rewrite a lot of code. Mm-hmm. Um, which is good and bad, I think, because it ends ends up resulting in like large system override overrides overwrites whatever that <laughs> word is. Um, but also, I think it leads to me learning a lot about things that I wasn't originally doing, like OpenGL. Like I bought this like big textbook on OpenGL, and I've really been trying to like learn how to do it right, um, which has been good. But I think ultimately, if I had like just stuck with the JavaScript version, the game probably would have been done like three months ago. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. So. <laughs> so that's like, that's a common thing um, that I hear about and that I've felt too, where um, there's this kind of constant battle between like just using stuff that's out there to get something done versus like going back to like the whole basics. Cause I mean, for the Grape Escape, you essentially wrote your own engine, right? Yeah, the only thing I'm using is SDL for the window and input management and OpenGL to draw things, which are not engines. Yeah, (laughs) so, I mean, that's, like, hardcore stuff. And as cool (laughs) as it is to do that, like, I, it would take me forever to learn, and I would feel very good about myself if I did it, but I feel like that's a constant thing where, like, especially getting started, you hear people always talking about, like, wanting to build their own engines versus, like, for me, using Unity is going to be good enough, you know? It's going to help me, like, right. f- 
finish. And that's but I yeah, like the idea of unity is actually like I think what breaks ground for a lot of people because I grew up the same way. It's like everybody wanted to get into game dev, but it's like, well, we got to program our own engines. It's yeah, like, I can't do that. So. <laughs> well, clearly, <laughs> Maddykins can because his game's freaking amazing. And <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know. So it's just interesting, like that you talk about that because it sounds like you kind of at a high level started with the JavaScript stuff to just kind of get it done. And then you like kind of stripped away. And obviously like there are some major benefits and you're learning a ton, uh, getting into OpenGL and all that kind of stuff. But I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah. Where- I think the JavaScript version, cause like the game was originally made for the one game a month jam, which you inspired me to do. Yeah. But watch stumbling upon your stream and watching <laughs> you do like the six consecutive one games that you did. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, Oh, okay. Like, I typically make better games when I do them for game jams. I'm not worried about like, oh, how am I going to sell this? So, right. you know, I did it. And then here I am, you know, five months later still working on the same game. <laughs> but, um, back to the, back to your question though. Like, I think it's a lot of, it's more fun for me, I think, to, to do, you know, the engine development and stuff. But I think had I stuck with an engine or a framework, the game would have been done forever ago. But I think it's made me like a better a better programmer, a better game developer going mm-hmm. through it, even if I never build my own engine again and I just use Unity for the rest of my games, right? Yeah. I feel like I've got a better understanding of like how the physics work in game, how stuff is actually drawn on the screen and everything like that. So it's almost like turned into like a, a big learning experience, you know? Yeah. Well, and that's like, so my argument lately has basically been like, because there's so many engines out there. Like it's really hard to pick one and then you might be learning one and then you hear something about another one and then you just get kind of enticed to try that. Yeah. But <laughs> my argument right now is like, I'm going to stick with unity for a while and f- see, you know, like go through all the aspects of it so I can like fully understand how game engines do different things. But I think you took it like the next step of like, let's not just well, use way. what the game engine does let's actually like build it from scratch and now it sounds i mean sounds like you've just gained a ton because now like if you right. did want to go into unity or whatever you know exactly how some of those things work you know whereas i have no clue i just know that i can access the <laughs> animator and it does things for me you know yeah, yeah. whereas i had to you know write an animator right <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, damn dude it's so crazy uh, yeah, boss status. I know. There, seriously, I guess. We, when we first started uh, Game Dev's Quest, we always talked about baller status, and I think Maddie, you've hit that top level of baller status, dude. <laughs> that the top level is ultra hella baller status. Yeah, is that where I'm at? <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah. Oh man. All right. Ultra hella. Ultra hella baller. Um. So for those of the the listeners who don't know anything about your game, do you want to just talk about, I guess, the dev process and like what your game's all about and where you want it to go? Yeah. So the the TLDR of my game that I've been giving everyone that like jumps into my stream is that the Grape Escape is a 2D retro platformer in the spirit of games like Super Meat Boy, Super Mario, and I Want to Be the Guy, where you play as a grape stuck in a jelly factory and you have to escape. So there's all these short levels, no more than like 20, 30 seconds per level. Um, if you're good. You can- <laughs> yeah, if you're not Taylor and you spend yeah. four five minutes on like the second tutorial level, but <laughs> Taylor is horrible at like platformers. I, I really like. am. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I gave Taylor like a, a copy of the game uh, a couple days ago to play on stream, 
and he was stuck on the tutorial levels for like the entirety of him playing the game. Oh my god. Uh, dude, <laughs> which, it was hard. Was, it was a lesson to me that like, A, maybe I should make the tutorial levels a little easier and B, okay, maybe I made this game too fucking hard. Because <laughs> there's some levels. I don't know. There's some levels that I go back to play and that I've played them like hundreds of times and they still take me like five minutes to beat. And then there's like this thing. It's like, okay, if as the game developer, this game is too hard for me to play. Maybe it's just too hard, period. But I don't know. I kind of like that about it. That's why I'm saying. You got to, yeah, you got to beta it out and get like some crowd response and see what people think. Cause, cause some people might enjoy that. If it takes them five minutes, it takes them 10 minutes, they finish it and then they feel really good about themselves. That's, you know, yeah. well, better beneficial. That's something that you can't program in, you know, that's just, I think, yeah. especially those people too that are going to, um, really want to play your game are going to be those hardcore platform players you know who went through and beat super meat boy and those kind of games like i actually uh i have super meat boy and i installed it like a couple months ago and i <laughs> i played it for like 20 minutes and i couldn't get past like level four or something and i was like <laughs> ah, i think i'm done with this <laughs> yeah so. I, I had my my coworker come over to my apartment and play tests like a couple weeks ago and he grew up in like the nes super nintendo era and so he had played a lot of like super mario world and stuff like that um and so he he got through it he got through the whole game in about the 30 levels that were implemented in the game in about two hours which wow. was longer longer than i expected right i was thinking okay maybe he'll rip through it in like half hour 40 minutes but there were some challenges that he took like 10 minutes to get through but i saw that like reaction when he got through them like that feeling of accomplishment, which is kind of what, what I was going for. Like, yeah, I, yeah. I'm trying to make the levels, like, teach the player how to do different things as you go through them and then apply those in later levels. And I think yeah. it was kind of cool to see him, like, oh, I've done this before, you know, and pick up on it in later levels. So, it was cool. I think, yeah, for the type of person that's willing to, like, put in the time and, like, get frustrated for a few hours, um, will enjoy the game. Right. See, and that's the best way because they put in the work, they learn these things that the game sort of naturally, subtly teaches them. And then by the time they're done, they feel like they've reverse engineered, you know, your <laughs> controls. And they're like, oh, yes. Like, oh, did. And then, then they're watching their buddy play, like, oh, do you know you could do it like this? You know, it's like, oh, hell yeah. Well, that's yeah, and, then, and then you have like man viewed games who like posted a speed run of the original Grape Escape and stuff. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think that's who's going to really take towards your game is like the people who are, they want to be competitive about it. Like yeah. for me, I would never get to that level. It would just be about trying to get as far as I can and probably not beat it. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but for a lot of people, I think it is like that. I mean, and the way the way that you have the game set up, it feels like one of those games where it would be a classic that sticks around for a while, and people just want to keep playing it to try and beat their the world record or their high score or whatever. So it does feel like that every time I see any sort of images or, or video clips of it. That's exactly what I feel too. Well, and even the I mean, theme of it, too. Of those... <laughs> what? Even that's the theme thanks. of it, too. Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, <clears throat> yeah, it's interesting because it definitely has that same vibe, too, of, like, those classic platformers that have stuck around and stood the test of time, you know? I mean, we've mentioned Super Mario World a couple times. Like, that's a good example and exactly what I think about, especially, like, the, the color theme and all that. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, you can't avoid the comparison to Super Meat Boy either, right. which is, <laughs> like, pretty much the gold standard of, like, modern uh, modern platformers. So Yeah, that was a lot of, like, 
I got a couple negative reviews on the original Newgrounds version, um, which, by the way, I'm proud of. Has like fifteen thousand plays and like six yeah, pages dude. of reviews. So, oh, so yeah. cool. Like, um, but I got a couple negative reviews saying like, "Oh, this game is just like a shitty Super Meat Boy clone." At first, that like offended me. I'm like, "Okay, we got to make it less Super Meat Boy. I got to rip out the saw blades. I got to change up the platforming mechanics." But then I kind of like reflected on like, "Okay, why did I make a Super Meat Boy clone?" And it's like, Super Meat Boy came out when I was like fourteen. And so that was one of the games that I, I played a lot of. And, like, during that time, like, I was kind of learning how to make games. And I was like, dude, one day I want to make my own Super Meat Boy. And, like, now here I am making my own Super Meat Boy. And, oh, like, yeah. I don't really care if people brand it as a Meat Boy clone because, like, I guess that's what I set out to do, right? right. Like, I love that game. I'm going to make a game that's similar but has, like, the things that I wanted in the game when I played through it originally when I was, like, 14. Yeah. You know what I mean? So... Well, and I think people, like, people are creatures of habit. They want to basically play the same thing that they like over and over, just with, like, a new skin on it. So, just by making that, if you make it feel good and have, you know, something somewhat new and interesting, like, people are going to like it. it there's going to be people who, who say that same thing. But, like, why do you think freaking first-person shooters continue to sell? Because people just want to keep playing first person shooters you know yeah yeah why have people bought the same call of duty for 10 years in a row right, right. What the hell? exactly <laughs> it's like the most derivative damn game of all time yeah it's also like the best selling yeah game, so. it's crazy yeah. so yeah so that, that's where i've like found some peace with it because like originally i was like crap i'm gonna make it less super meat boy and there was even like this article that came out on this like uh, smaller like indie game review site or this guy like found my game on Newgrounds and I think the headline was like noticing similarities and it was like basically this whole article comparing me against Super Meat Boy and I'm like dude this is like a JavaScript game I made in two weeks and posted <laughs> and like he's like oh it's a shitty Meat Boy clone I'm like alright it's like Thanks. Yeah, it's like, hey. that's a compliment. Like, if you're comparing my platforming game to what is regarded as one of the best platforming games of all time, thank you. Like, I'm cool with that. Yeah, dude. So I then you, you got to look at their track records, though, too. It's like all these armchair critics. It's like, okay, where's your games at? Yeah, I love, I love that meme where it's like this fat guy with, like, shirtless sitting on his couch, like, eating Cheetos or something, like, drinking a beer, and he's watching, like, this beauty pageant and there's like all these super hot like uh you know models walking on stage and he's like her nose is too big <laughs> it's like wow dude you know you're one to talk so i don't know i think any for you like any press is gonna be good press the fact that people are writing articles like no one's gonna write articles about my games dude i'm jealous <laughs> that someone said you have a shitty meat boy clone <laughs> you uh, know so dude, that's spe cool. speaking of articles though the biggest one that came out when it was originally launched was this one on this like japanese game site and i saw this because on itch i suddenly got like 500 plays overnight on the game from japan <laughs> and so like i found this link and i clicked on it and there was like, I had to put it through Google Translate, so I couldn't quite, like, comprehend what the article was saying. But the guy posted my game, and all these people commented on it, like, 40 comments. Like, wow. in addition to all the Newgrounds reviews, like, talking about the game. And a lot of them, what was funny is, like, everyone on Newgrounds compared it to, like, Super Meat Boy, but everyone on this Japanese game site compared it to Super Mario. Oh, which yeah. I thought was super interesting, like, culturally, like, the games that we focus on here in America and the games that they focus on in Japan. 
right? It's like the, yeah. all their comparisons were to Super Mario, which was cool because that's like an, another one of the best platforming games that's ever existed. Yeah. So like either way, I'm I'm happy with the comparisons. <laughs> yeah, but, that's super cool, man. So yeah. what are what are like your ultimate goals with Grape Escape? Um, do you have a timeline? Do you have like what what's your your big plan with it? I guess. Well, according to the original timeline, it was supposed to be done this month. <laughs> so that's that's kind of out the window um but i don't i don't know man i i mean i'd like to get the game on steam in the next couple months here i've got some more time off coming up in june um that i'm really planning to kind of get the game done then because I, I sort of get this like fatigue when i stick to a project too long and like yeah. i'm starting to kind of have this like other game ideas creep up and it's like oh i could totally reuse all this code for like this kind of game and and all this stuff and so, like, I know in order for me to actually get this game done, I need to pick up the pace and just, like, ship it at this point um, and get through creating the rest of the levels, getting the rest of the programming I need to get done and and getting it on Steam, even if it's, like, you know, three or five bucks or whatever, just getting it out there um, and, like, officially, like, selling my first game. Because I've made, like, hundreds of half-finished games, right? But I've never actually, like, finished something and then, like, here... This is, you know, pay me a dollar and play my game, right? right? Like, and so I want to get there. I want Grape Escape to be the first game that I actually finish and launch. Even if it only sells 10 copies, like, I'll, I'll, I'll feel accomplished. Well, you know what I, I mean? I think a lot of people in GDQ community are going to buy it, so you should... <laughs> I should have used my 10 copies. 10. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that means charge 100 bucks, Matty. <laughs> All right. Yeah, uh, yeah man. <laughs> That's really cool. I'm, I've been excited watching you uh, develop it, and especially like for me, watching you port it has been really cool. Because to me, like going to C plus plus and OpenGL just seems infeasible. So it's like really cool to see. Um, yeah, the idea originally came from when I installed Linux on my computer and started um, getting that set up. And originally, it was using my integrated graphics on my CPU, and so I downloaded GrapeScape and I ran it. And it was getting, like, 30 frames per second on this, like, super retro, like, not demanding game. And I was like, well, this this isn't right. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to, like, say, oh, you need, like, a, you know, a Titan, an NVIDIA Titan or whatever to, to run <laughs> Grape Escape. Um, and so I was like, all right, how can I make this better? I started looking into phaser optimizations and profiling, like, the JavaScript game and stuff like that. And I was like, you know, it'll be a lot more fun. If I just rewrite it in C++. <laughs> and so that's like honestly where the original idea for the rewrite came from. I probably could have just fixed the performance issues in the JavaScript version and been on my way. But that wasn't as much fun. Yeah. So if you if you wouldn't have done that though, um, Phaser is... Is Phaser strictly a web platform or can you make it to... A well, so any, anything you build on the web, you can also get a build for desktop or for mobile or for console. Like, oh, that's the beauty of, like, web development is, like, when you're learning how to make websites, you're also learning how to make apps. You're also learning how to make desktop applications. Like, nowadays, with all the technology that's out there, like Electron and, like, phone, uh, what's it called, the Apache Cordova framework, like, you can ship your web app anywhere. So, yeah, like, you develop Phaser in JavaScript and you debug it on the web, but they have toolkits using um, nw.js to actually ship a desktop version of your app. Oh, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. So, so you wouldn't have been, like, like pigeonholed. That. Oh, no. Like, if I had continued with the JavaScript version, there would have been a desktop build for sure. Gotcha. That's cool. Yeah. I didn't 
didn't know that. So I kind of assumed that phaser meant like, well, sorry, you're stuck to web, <laughs> which would suck. Because <laughs> then how do you sell it, really? I guess you yeah. can on uh, some of the like, HIO or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, you can you can do a desktop build. Nice. Um, yeah, man, that's super cool. Uh, I don't want to harp on Grapescape too much, I guess, but <laughs> <laughs> no, that's uh, fine. I mean, that's that's been the focus of like all my free time the last couple months, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, I was talking to, to Allie and my wife uh, the other day. We were we were on a walk, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm really sorry that." really the only thing i want to do when we have free time is make games and like that's probably (laughs) really stymieing our hobbies at this point you know because like i get home and i basically like will work on my games or watch something with her so i don't know it's definitely kind of forced me to to be stuck in like a sedentary type lifestyle which is probably pretty bad but (laughs) i don't know that's that's one thing I'm bad about too is like when I have I have kind of a hard time multitasking and not just in the micro sense of like I can't drink coffee and walk. It's like I can't make a game and live an adult life. Yeah. Like I still haven't paid my taxes. Like I I suck at like all sorts of, you know, those kind of things because it's like whenever I get home it's like, "Oh, can't clean my room today. Can't do laundry today cuz I got to make grape escape." <laughs> and so yeah. That's that's been a struggle for me as well. Um, when you finally release it, are you, do you have like a plan set in place for like support and that kind of thing? Cause like, I always, I always get this feeling that like, it's going to feel so, um, like relieving almost to, to publish a game. But I, like, I just finished Blood, Sweat and Pixels and you hear about like, like I was reading about Shovel Knight and the guys who made Shovel Knight, they were on like this huge crunch trying to get shovel knight out um you know on time and in a way that met all of their backers goal or you know things that they requested on kickstarter and then they were like yeah it felt so good to get it out and then we spent the next four years like supporting it (laughs) (laughs) and and i'm like oh my god like i don't really want to do that necessarily but i think i think that's like kind of the double-edged sword of of game dev in general as like i guess like an art mm-hmm. you know you you read so much about other artists in other fields music or writing or whatever and and they say releasing something is a huge relief because now it's not theirs right it like it, it, it's i mean it is theirs but now it's out in the world and it's just as much um the people who are enjoying it and consuming it Right. It's like, think of your favorite song. Like, there's no way that, you know, you, you feel like, imagine how offended you would be if like your favorite, uh, song was like rewritten, you know, 15 years later. And they're like, the artist was like, actually, this is what I wanted the song to be. And you're like, no. And they take away all the other versions of that song. You're like, the other one was better. This is bullshit. Same with books, right? And obviously there are small edits, but they're nothing compared to the the patches and stuff that are, are uh, used in the game development industry in this day and age. Like I remember the first time I ever bought a game <clears throat> like on release and – had to spend like the next week just constantly patching it because it was just shit. Right. I was like, "Oh my god! Like this is a triple A game dev company. Like why wasn't this done? Why wasn't this done sooner? You know?" 
And it kind of takes away... I don't know. It kind of takes away that, I think, from the people who have worked on it. And obviously, game dev is a little different because in a AAA studio like that, you've got hundreds of people, give or take, working on a single thing. But, you know, imagine I can imagine a single uh, indie dev working on a title and then spending all that much time. It's just a huge soul-crushing drain because... I don't know. You want to move on or something, but you're stuck babysitting this thing that you just wanted to be done with. Yeah, that's what yeah. Manbeard Games was saying too about Ophidian. You know, he has it out and he's just kind of like tired. Still working of it, on it. You know, and like same thing with uh, the Stardew Valley developer. You know, right? He, he just but released see, multiplayer. You, it's when like, do you draw the line? Yeah, like that's what I want to know because yeah. Stardew Valley, he. Cr- uh, Barone or whatever his name is, yeah. he could have stopped working on that ages ago, and I would have been happy. You know, right. like he yeah. didn't have to implement any other features. Like, yeah. dude, I got my fifteen bucks out of that right. easily. And he's like, wait, you wanted multiplayer? Okay, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Although I think with the multiplayer, he didn't actually work on that personally. Yeah, he had oh, okay. implemented it. Yeah, but but even still, like the fact that he's still thinking of new features and still doing that type of thing, it's like, holy crap, man! I know. It's crazy. And as it, and that's that's just the one thing, you know. I mean, do you plan for that when you're making a game and you go, oh, "I'm going to get it as tight as possible. I'm going to have a deadline. I'm going to release it. And I'll ma- I'll limit myself to like two major patches or something, or five or whatever. Yeah. And then never ever ever look at it again. Or honestly, you know, like I was originally planning on like, oh, when I get this game out, I'm going to feel relieved. But now that you guys mention it, this is going to fucking suck. <laughs> <laughs> well, and uh, then then you got to consider, like, do you postpone when you were originally going to release it because you want it to be in a more, like, finished state and more tested state? Because, I mean, that first of all, see, that can affect sales, but then also that can also affect thing, support, you know? I think this idea of pushing back deadlines is part of what leads to that type of thing. Cause then, yeah. Because then it's like... Well, I can keep fine-tuning this. I can keep fine-tuning this. I can keep doing this. I could that could be fixed. That could be fixed. This could be balanced. There's always going to be work to do to a game. Yeah. Always. Yeah. Even that's, the that's best I think. fleshed out game isn't perfect. They all have bugs. Yeah. They're all exploited, you know, like look at any speedrun video of your favorite game <laughs> from times past. There is a game-breaking bug that they use to beat the game in 30 seconds. <laughs> that, that's honestly one thing that terrifies me because I'll see weird things in Grape Escape that I, like, can't reproduce. Like, I'll, I'll tap out and I'll do something and I'll come back in and then I'll change levels. And, like, all of a sudden I've, like, fucking teleported to, like, a place in the map that I wasn't supposed to be able to get to yet. And it's like, how? I don't know how, to, how that happened, how I'm going to reproduce it. But, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I think in terms of releasing it, I think there's a balance between, like, release it we're the point where people can comfortably play it and you're not going to need like day zero patches just to allow people to play the game. Yeah. And then uh, after that, it's like your prerogative, right? Like, yeah, I'll do, I'll probably for sure, if people report bugs, try to fix them and release patches. But in terms of more content and things like that, I think that's something um, to be careful with because I think patching in required content is something that feels a little bit weird to a game that's not early access. Right, because I, I yeah, feel like right. it's like what you said. It's like someone just like re-released your favorite song and then deleted your your favorite version <laughs> of it. It's like you can't right. go back and, and play the version that you liked better than today, right? Right. Like I feel like you know if you look at it, any like MMO that's been around for longer than like five ten years that you played towards its inception, it's like you can't go back and play that. Like right. maybe you find a private server, right? But they've patched in so much new required content and changed so many things that like you can't well, go play the original game you liked. 
Right. Well, WoW does have uh, – vanilla is very popular right now for some reason. <laughs> I have no idea why, but you can go and they have hundreds of vanilla servers. <laughs> but that, that's – they're vanilla private servers, right? I don't know if they're private or not, but you could be right. I I honestly haven't looked at it. So. Yeah. I mean, I haven't like allowed myself to get into the, the money and time trap that is an MMO recently. <laughs> yep. But like Me a couple too. of years ago, like going back and trying to play any of the ones I played like as a kid, it's like – I. This is a totally new game. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I was watching my friend play WoW. I played WoW the week that it was released, and I only played for a month, but I sank so many damn hours in that game. It's like, oh, it's like burned into my mind. You know, it's like leaving a TV on or your monitor on with like (laughs) a blazing white image that's now just burned in there. And I was watching my buddy play it. I'm like, the hell is this <laughs> he's like this is wow i was like what yeah. i mean yeah. it looks the same but it's also like completely totally different yeah. yeah that's an interesting concept though too because uh, i mean how many times do you go back and play a game that you like idolized as a kid and even though it's the same game it's different because of our perceptions now you know what i mean like right i yeah. remember that time we played counter-strike source and we were like trolling the whole time and it was yeah. like the funniest gaming experience I ever had. And I know that that can never be recreated. Nope. You know? <laughs> like, it's kind of sad, but, like, that's kind of how it is. Um, Absolutely. And, and that's, I don't know. It is interesting thinking, though, because, um, like, I was reading, uh, again, in Blood, Sweat, and Pixels, uh, talking about Blizzard. I didn't realize that they're still... I, well, I don't know if it's still now, but as of the time that the book was written, they had they had still released a Diablo 2 patch that same year, like 2017. Yeah. Well, that was big news. Yeah, yeah, that was big news. And that was like the first patch in years. But, but that's they, like the uh, level of commitment they have. And I don't know. I mean, maybe well, it's also, also because they have so many resources at, at their disposal. But like... Well, I, yeah. well, I just did a Google. They just reset the Diablo 2 ladder in December yeah. of 2017. Oh like, they God. just started a new season for that game in 2017, <laughs> yeah. meaning they're still supporting it if they're yeah. still starting a new competitive season, right? right? There are still tons of people who play it. Yeah. Friend of the show, Lee, plays that damn game all the time. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've sunk way too many hours into Diablo 2. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Who hasn't? I mean, the game's so amazing. Good. That's why they're supporting it, because it's mm-hmm. the best damn game ever made. Well, no, it's not the best, but it's, <laughs> it's pretty close. good, though. It's yeah. close. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that kind of makes sense, because there's, like, a demand for it, you know? And Blizzard would be stupid to, like, turn their back on the people that made them what they are. Right. Oh, yeah. And that, and that was the people who bought Diablo 2 yeah. <laughs> and have put 10,000 hours into it. <laughs> yeah. That, that's kind of the thing, though, right? Is, like, if I release Grape Escape and it somehow gets a ton of attention and people are like, oh, we want more levels and, like, oh, we want more content, it's like, oh, I'm not going to say no. It's like, oh, I'll make another world. Yeah, you can do more. Yeah, maybe you ought to maybe ought to take some of the best ideas and put it into Grape Escape Two. Ooh, yeah. There's there's another question. (laughs) Yeah, but that's also kind of like so. One one of the things I want to do in Grape Escape is like a speed run mode. So after you beat the game, you unlock this mode where you play all the levels consecutively with no overworld in between them. Mm -hmm. Sort of like how the 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 JavaScript version on Newgrounds was was structured. Mm Um, and like one of my concerns is like, okay, I release a new world. Does that just like invalidate everyone that works so hard to get like a world record speed run or whatever? It's, it's just mean like, yep, you don't get, no longer means anything. You know right. what I mean? And so like, oh, how do you release? Point. I've been thinking a lot about like, how do I release new content that would be like, if I release a new world, right? 
it's like, do I allow you to beat the game and then go play that world as like a bonus world? Like, what is the way to like introduce that into the game without ruining the experience for everyone that liked it the way it was or for everyone that worked so hard on the original version, right? Like, what does that mean? Well, it means we all better just quit being game devs because <laughs> this is way too complicated. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's dude, a I, hard question. Yeah, go ahead, Manny. Oh no, I, I was just gonna say, like, on that note, I found myself recently having all these like long debates with myself over things I never thought I'd think about. Like, should this screen fade in over half a second or over two seconds? And like, how much time does that add up to over the course of someone playing the game? Do they lose like five minutes of their life to level transitions? Oh god! Right? Like, <laughs> like, you know uh, what I mean? Like all these like stupid things, but I find myself caring so much about like the littlest details for no funny reason. Whenever I work with Taylor on stuff, I find that he's the same way. He's like, "Well, how fast do you think the text should crawl across the screen?" <laughs> how about how should we do this what color should this be i'm like none of that matters to me <laughs> well the thing is though like it should matter as a game dev and i think that that's what separates great games from good games is oh absolutely literally like thinking through every possible thing and how it can be optimized because it's just like so i work in it and when it does a good job no one notices right <laughs> but when shit breaks then it looks like we didn't do our job and that's how it should be in game dev too like ui stuff no one notices if you have a nice looking ui but if it looks like garbage then people are like oh, God, what yeah. Ugh. you know unplayable yeah I, i'm not yeah. i can't play this the ui is too bad you know so yeah. i think it they does matter the wrong hue of yellow <laughs> <laughs> no, but, i mean it's also like you know, if you take, like, the cliche view of, like, video games is, is an art form, like, you put everything you have into making a game, right? Mm-hmm. Like, people people are like, oh, I'm going to be a game developer, and, like, I'll learn how to do it, I'll go take a Udemy course, and it's all going to be good. And people don't realize, like, making a game is the hardest thing I've ever done in my life, right? Like, learning how to program it, learning how to do the sound, learning how to draw, even if it doesn't look great, learning how to do the level design and arrange everything, right? It's, like... There's so many, like, different skills, and it takes, like, I feel like everything you have, and, like, to not care about the entire thing seems like, you know, it's it's going to turn out worse in the end, right? Right, So, right. like, I have to, like, I feel, I almost feel like I need to spend these times debating with myself about the 300 extra milliseconds in a level transition, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. Like, I don't know. Well, well, and I think that's why, like, games take so long to make. I mean, you're just one person. And your game's really cool, but imagine making a triple A game like The Witcher Three or something that has a hundred hours of gameplay in it. And yeah. you have to think through all those things for everything. And you still you have a staff of like two hundred people working on it and it still takes that long. Yeah, like, it's oh my it's God. crazy, dude. And that yeah, that's where one thing that scares me about like like there's a couple of game studios in San Diego. There's like Psionics, they make Rocket League, there's Sony Online Entertainment. Like the I used to work right next to the office that made H1Z1, Daybreak Games. Mm. Oh, cool. Um and like I'd see their job postings online and people would ask me, like, Oh, why don't you go work for a game development company? And it's like I'm terrified about working in an environment that huge. It's like how can everyone like care deeply about the end product when you're working with like hundreds of people? Yeah. Like maybe maybe you can, right? But if it's like just me or if it's a small team, like I know we all share the same vision, right? But like working on a game that's not mine, it's like I feel like I wouldn't care about 
those things and I'd just be like, oh, that's what my project manager told me to do. I'm just right. going to do it, right? Well, I imagine if you go to a place that is making games that is no different from any other like corporate office or something, you go in and it's just like characterless cubicles and you all sit down like monkeys at a keyboard every single day, like that would be different, right? But you walk into a place and already like most game studios are already pretty different. Like I th- like I would, you know, in game de- uh Blood Sweat and Pixels they describe uh, um not Obsidian, but uh or wait, is it Obsidian? Oh, for Pillars uh, of Eternity? Yeah, for the Pillars of Eternity, you know, yeah. their hours are like you come in at 10 or 11 <laughs> and you work till 6 or 7, you know. Already that's different from the usual corporate environment. And I imagine you walk in and people are wearing whatever they want, and things are a lot more laid back. Their cubicles are are decorated, and you've got <laughs> you've got memorabilia for the project and and merchandise for the project you're working on everywhere, so that you constantly are immersed in it. And I think it, it, probably just a little different environment. I'm not saying every single person is going to be like, I have to make this blade of grass perfectly. You know, <laughs> I doubt that they're that passionate about blades of grass, but. At the same time, everybody is probably a little bit more happy with their work that they're doing than they would be if they were like accountants or something, you know? So yeah, <laughs> there's still you also hear horror stories of like those AAA studios, like the like Call of Duty is a good example of like they release yeah. every year, right? And it's like you'll have an off season, you'll have a season where you work hundred hour weeks with no breaks just to like yeah. get it done, and it's like how do you produce something like awesome on that quality? Yeah. Right, and on yeah. that on that time scale, and like that's why we've gotten the same Call of Duty every year for a decade. <laughs> oh yeah, right. Yeah. So, well, I think I don't know. I think you Absolutely. would probably just kind of start feeling like a a gear in the giant cog yeah. or whatever. A you monkey know? at a keyboard. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and I think that's why indie game dev feels so freeing is because especially when you work by yourself, you have a hundred percent control. Yep. And so you're fully invested. And I was. Um, talking to Ali about this yesterday too, saying like nowadays, like trying to become an indie developer, it feels so much more intimate playing games by indie developers than it does these AAA games. It's kind of like the difference to me between watching like just another Marvel movie or watching this independent film that was like completely thought provoking, you know? It's like the same type of a thing. You're entering the psyche of like a handful of people who really care about this thing and Mm -hmm. like that to me that is such a cool idea um and so like i'm kind of in the same boat i don't know that i could get a job as a game developer at a big studio but like i think in the not too distant future that would be a possibility if i move somewhere but i'm not sure if i really would want to or not like it might be really great experience for a little while and you might you might get a good idea of how the dev cycle works on these bigger games but then like not having that full control probably would just be tough well and imagine like you know like Chris Delion was telling us when uh we were talking with him about when he was working on uh Boomblocks uh one of those games where <laughs> he would put all of this work into these levels and then they would just throw them away. Right. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, I'm, imagine your job is like to show up and like paint these beautiful pictures every day and you get out your brushes and your oils and boom, you paint this thing. You're like, holy shit, this is like the most inspired work I've ever done. This is amazing. And they go, not what we wanted. Boom, throw it in the trash. And you're yeah. like, oh my God. <laughs> 
Yeah. That's that's one of the things that scares me too about making this game is like I've put so much time into this and like it's my baby, right? And like right. one day I'm gonna have to let everybody play with it. Yeah. And everybody is gonna have an opinion about it. Uh-huh. Yep. And like that's terrifying to me. And that's that's kind of what I was talking about. It's like when you're an artist and you release something, it's no longer really yours. Like, you know what I mean? At this point, like I've played, I've put so much time in all these Metal Gear Solid games, right? Like that game doesn't belong to Hideo Kojima. It belongs to me now, okay? Like <laughs> nobody knows more about that game than me. I don't care what your name is. Yeah. Um, and and when then when people try to change directions with it, it feels like a betrayal, right? You know, it's yeah. like what they're doing. It's ex- actually the Metal Gear Solid thing still applies because they're doing Metal Gear Survive or whatever, and everybody hates it. And it's just like <laughs> you've betrayed us. <laughs> this is our th- game, and you betrayed us. Yeah, that's, that's what happens. That... People take ownership of of the things that they love. Like, just l- look at the fandom of Harry Potter, right? Yeah. It's like, or Doctor Who, or any of these Star Wars, for God's sake. With Last Jedi coming out, people just went freaking stark raving mad over it. I mean, because they feel like it's theirs. That's I definitely like. I'm a I'm a pretty big fan of Walking Dead. And oh hell like, yeah. That's how I felt recently the last few episodes. It's like, why are you fucking it up? Like, I love this thing. This is, I love watching this show. Right? You know yeah. I mean? AMC, call me up. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it, it's like, I, I'm terrified to feel that way about Grape Escape. It's like, if someone writes, like, one shitty review, I'm going to be like, how, how can I fix it? How can I make it better? Like, And that's one of the things you talked about. It's like, when you release the game, what level of support do you offer? How many patches do you roll out? It's like, you can't overhaul the game after you've released it. And yeah, you can't right. make everybody happy either. Yeah. You know, you know how you can fix it, Maddie? Just not caring. Make that World War Two backstory. <laughs> <laughs> Taylor? <laughs> yes. Oh my god, yes. So, so Taylor has had Taylor was on my stream one day and and created this whole backstory for why Gary the Grape was escaping from the factory. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know we're we're still in talks, but it might make it into the game. Yeah, it's because oh he God. was fighting in the uh, Italian uh, on the Italian front. You know those Italian grapes <laughs> to make the wine, dude. <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> and now what is it? It's like post World War Two, and there's a wine shortage. Yeah. And so they're like torturing <laughs> grapes and stuff in this factory. <laughs> See, perfect. You can have Nazi grapes in there. Who doesn't yeah, like you killing can Nazis? The title. Oh, final you can update boss, the title. You kill grape Hitler. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You have to find a great variant, though, that's name sounds like Hitler, you know? Yeah. I'm sure there is something. You got to change the title, though, to Call of Honor, Grape Escape. <laughs> That'd be good. Oh, uh, God. Uh, yeah. Sorry to derail that. I just had to. No, that was, that was great. Uh, that's one of the things, though, is, like, about streaming the game development that's been cool is, like, everybody... As it's actually been a big help getting like instant feedback on the things I do. Like I make a level and someone's like, "Oh, this like doesn't look fun," or like, "Oh, this looks awesome," right? It's like been, it's been kind of nerve wracking and kind of like also awesome to like do the develop most of the development of the game like on stream, mm-hmm. right? Even if it's only like ten twenty people that are watching. It's still been cool because, like, you get ideas like your World War II backstory, which are kind of <laughs> off the wall and like hilarious, but also you you get some like really good ideas that kind of like shape the game development right like you like watching you play test on stream the other day you mentioned a problem where like you couldn't see the platforms that were ahead of you and so like that kind of like got us talking and then all of a sudden like camera panning was is something that's now implemented in the game and oh, so is when it you really? open up a level yeah. it'll, the camera will scan the level and show you the whole thing before you play it right that's awesome and so like dude. that's nice. sort of like instant feedback and like implementation 
has only come from streaming. It's not as good as like getting people to play test it often, but right. people watching it's it's still really good. So like I would encourage anyone that's like serious about sitting down and making a game to do it on stream. Yeah, I one hundred percent agree. Awesome. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's like well, there's a couple benefits. One being that the other is that you start building hype um, and get people kind of invested in what you're doing. Um, even if it's just a, just a small number, you know, but like Krasenstein, he always, before he releases a game, he always does thunderclap, um, which is, if you're not familiar, it's like a, this service where everybody signs up, um, with their Twitter account. And then the day that you like release your game, it automatically tweets from all of those people who signed up their account out that tweet whatever you had you know so like when crass did nightfall it's like um you know check out nightfall it's available on steam for 9.99 here it is and is it like crass tweets it and they all automatically retweet it or is it like i I don't twitter i think it's everybody does their own tweet but it's like i don't know exactly uniform it's like uniform yeah everybody has the exact same tweet from Hmm. thunderclap that tweets out and Yeah. yeah it's like i i think he had like maybe 200 300 people sign up and like that's a lot of people tweeting about your stuff you know a lot of reach yeah which is pretty cool um and that's all you know pretty much done because he has a following on on twitch you know he he's taking the time to build that community um so yeah, yeah i i think it's super valuable from lots of fronts and like you said you you learn a lot streaming because people are giving you constant feedback for me all the time I'm like doing something uh, like the other day I was making this layout and a UI on in unity and I made it a grid when it should have just been like a horizontal or vertical layout. And I didn't even know those things exist. And some guy came and he's like, why would you do that? Do this. I was like, Oh, I didn't know that existed. Thanks. Uh, you know, yeah, now I know it's some there. people. I've had some people come in that are way better at C plus plus or OpenGL than me and have like, help me fix bugs and help me realize why things aren't working or pointed out like huge architectural flaws in how I designed my engine. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like I've gotten some serious, like seriously seasoned game developers or, or programmers in my chat that, um, that have actually been a huge help. Like multiple times people have helped me like fix bugs. Right. There's also the other end of the spectrum where like at least once a night I get someone who's never programmed to come in and ask like, Oh, how do you start programming? Which is fine. Like that's yeah. a valid valid question but you know you kind of get both ends of the spectrum oh yeah and i actually enjoy that because most of the time i'm just like messing around not knowing what the heck i'm doing and so it's fun when somebody comes in and asks me for help and i can actually like give it to them you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> so, that's really cool that's yeah. one thing i try and like never to shy away from is if someone has a question or a bug i'm like post your code like we'll look at it on stream right yeah you know exactly. what I mean? mm-hmm. and like if i don't know what the bug is maybe someone else on stream does right like we'll all look at it together yep and so that's the one thing that happens pretty regularly. That's 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 cool. Yeah, man. And Super. then on your note of like, you know, you said like Crass built a community on Twitch and stuff like that, which was like awesome. See, whereas I'm taking the approach of I just stole the GDQ community and just adopted <laughs> it. And so I just link everyone to your guys' Discord and then always host GDQ people. Yeah, dude. No, I love that. And that, that's what it's for though. I yeah, mean, exactly. <laughs> like it's uh it's not just about us. In fact, most people in our community develop more than we do, you know, and are better developers. So, so it's all good. Like, that's what we're here for. Like, if we can offer moral support, um, 
we're happy to, you know, and, and I think the more people that get invested in the community, the better it's going to be for everyone else. So that's why like, yeah. it's much appreciated that you're a part of the community and, and advertising us as well. So use it oh, for man. sure. Totally. Like and that's I, what we're I here think, for. And I think we'll all kind of grow together. Like I hosted like essential Asa the other day and like ghost goats games last night. And, like, I've gotten hosted by all you guys, like, a bunch. And, like, everybody kind of all supporting each other on Twitch and on Discord and everybody playtesting each other's games and helping fix bugs. It's, like, mm-hmm. we'll all get better, like, as game developers together, which is, it's been a really, like, cool and, like, surreal experience because, like, I've never been, I've never had that many, like, game development friends. And then, like, <laughs> I stumbled upon your stream and it's, like, now I have hundreds right, of, yeah. like, people I talk to. And it's been really cool. It's been really encouraging being able to, like, share gifts and, like, the show and tell channel on, um on the GDQ Discord and, like, getting everybody's feedback immediately, right? Yeah. Um, it's just been a cool experience. So, yeah, thank you guys for, like, I don't think I've ever thanked you for, like, putting together the community, but it's actually <laughs> been kind of a big deal in making Grape Escape. I'm glad, so. dude. Yeah. Well, that's that's nice to hear, man. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's fun. I mean, that's why we did it, though. It's like we just wanted to have this community of people who could support each other, help each other out, you know, and maybe even... Uh, offer words of encouragement for newbies or help them out, things like that. So mm-hmm. it's, I think it's exceeded our expectations. Oh so yeah, far. we had like, <laughs> yeah, you well, have like two hundred people in the Discord now, more something like that, something like that. Yeah, know. there's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, man, it's like so when we started last year, it was just like we had no idea where it was gonna go. I didn't. Maybe we were only gonna hit ten episodes. Who even knows, you know? And the fact that we just kept going at it, like I think. And, and I talk about this all the time, but that's like my biggest words of encouragement for anyone learning game development is just like, keep at it, you know, or really anything. If yeah. you fail, just keep at it. Cause like we were up here podcasting for months and months without hearing a single thing. Like nobody emailed us, nobody hitting us up on Twitter, like nothing, you know, but now we have like this community that, I mean, it's still pretty small, but like it's super beneficial for us. And just like, I feel like even though I'm not earning money for it or anything, I'm just gaining so, so much for my life by, um, you know, putting in that time. I always have something I'm working on to help better our platform and better myself. You know, it's just super yeah. cool. So, no, for sure. It's been, I think it's been awesome for everybody involved. Yeah, man. Thanks, oh, yeah. Maddie. <laughs> So, we're coming up close to the top of the hour. Um, let's let's get a little personal here. Oh man! Ooh. All right. So, <laughs> when you go to the bathroom, do you crumple your toilet paper or do you fold it? I'm a crumpler for sure. Good for you. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> uh, that's what you mean by personal. <laughs> How about this one? When you're wiping, do you sit oh, or stand? <laughs> what? Oh, I, I stand. What do you do? Oh, that, that was a joke. <laughs> uh, who stands, man? Uh, Some people stand. Well, oh. We talk about this, or we have talked about this, but I prefer like just sitting regardless of whether oh. I have to number two or number one. It's yeah, just I've so nice. Have it too. You're that kind of person. Uh, that it's kind like, of person. It's like a nice little break. Yeah. The only time <laughs> the only time I don't is if I'm going to public because a lot of times the public bathrooms just have like pee all over the toilet seat and oh, yeah. i don't want to deal with that if i have if i don't have to i'm glad that this conversation has continued to be intellectual and productive 
That's what happens when you turn the wheels over to Rhett. <laughs> he starts talking yeah, about was, Michael Jordan's dad. And yeah. <laughs> I was going to ask you, like, what sorts of things do you do to uh, recharge, you know, your, your sort of, like, artistic tanks or your... I, guess, I even I guess your your emotional tank to keep up that drive to keep working. Like, do do you like to just veg out, watch shows or movies, or you reading any books or? Um, <laughs> I mean that, that's kind of hard. I I like to kind of take take little breaks from game development. Like there there will be like one day or one night, maybe not each week, where I'll be like, okay, I'm not I'm not going to do game development today. I usually end up doing some anyways, but I try not to. And, yeah, I watch, you know, some shows on Netflix. Like, I mentioned liking Walking Dead. Um, I do play a lot of video games, but the types of video games I play are radically different from the types of games I make. <laughs> like, I've got, like, 400 hours on CSGO, yeah. and oh, I play yeah. a ton of, like, PUBG and, and Rocket League, and I play a lot oh, of yeah. multiplayer competitive games with, with my buddies, mm -hmm. which is fun. But, uh, yeah, I hang out with my girlfriend a lot, too. Um, well, maybe, maybe not a lot, but it <laughs> with the whole trying to get Grapescape done thing. But that's a good way to recharge. Like, go to her house for a weekend and not do game development for, like, a period of, like, 24 hours is, I think, yeah. beneficial. Yeah, totally. You know? Absolutely. So. Heck yeah, yeah. dude. <laughs> not not anything not anything crazy, I guess. I know well, that. I guess we gotta log off here and just go play CS:GO for the rest of the day. Right? <laughs> oh, I'm horrible at it. Don't. <laughs> Whatever, I, I dude. 400 hours, but I'm not good at that game. You told me your rank at one point. You were higher ranked than any of us. It was. I'm now back in the silvers because I don't play nearly as often. But my yeah. roommate and his girlfriend, they like play together. Like that's their thing, and they're both like super good. <laughs> uh. Right? Oh, apparently you have more hours in it than I do. I thought I had a lot, but I don't. I think I just I hit 400 on it the other I, day. I've got 392. How many do Ooh, I have? I got 235. Damn, what? Still top Man, I thought I had Red, a lot though. more. You guys probably played a lot of Counter-Strike Source, huh? So yeah, You probably have a lot of hours on that one, too. Yeah, I kind of wonder yeah. what the total would be, because like, for a long time, well, for the longest time, Age of Empires was my game. And then as <laughs> soon as we started, like, as soon as I got like a real gaming pc like my sophomore year of high school i started playing tons of counter-strike and that was like my game for a long time he had a real gaming pc to play cs source yeah, yeah he had a he had a uh what would it be nvidia I had gtx 6800 no i have a awesome. geforce 6800 gt with 256 of or 256 megs of memory on it I, also, I had two gigs of ram in that beast dude that's massive, my, dude. My it could run PC, Far Cry 1. My gaming PC <laughs> at that time had a GeForce 3. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Rhett always like had these like randomly piecemealed machines where he he's like, well, as long as it runs Gothic, I'm good. Hell yeah, dude. Gothic was legit. That was like yeah. my game back I, then. I remember Rhett telling me about Gothic, and like the only thing he, he really said was like, it's really fun. You can do drugs. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Why is that what you remember <laughs> me talking about? <laughs> what the fuck? Well, because uh, at the time, I don't think any other game like had that feature, so it was like weird, you know. Uh, but, so yeah, Rhett, Rhett could avoid doing drugs in real life by doing drugs in God. That's right. Oh, yeah. I mean, video games really are drugs, right? 
Yeah. So. Dude, but that's one thing, though. Like, you talk about your old graphics cards models. And, like, me and my girlfriend played the GameCube Super Monkey Ball yesterday. Nice. Oh, and, yeah. like, it was still just as fun as I remember it being. But I don't, I didn't remember, like, how shitty it looks. <laughs> like, the graphics are so bad. Like, you have, like, the text doesn't, it's super blurry, doesn't look good at all. Like, yeah. And that, that's one thing, like, going back and playing old games is, like, yeah, these are still just as fun as you remember them, but, God, games are way better nowadays. Oh, yeah, dude, God, I, yeah. I remember when the Nintendo 64 came out, and I w- told my mom how much I wanted it because they had 3D graphics. <laughs> <laughs> like, Mom, I gotta have this! It has 3D graphics! And then I got a PlayStation, but... Either way. <laughs> uh, yeah. I went, so, I, same thing. I went back and played like Ocarina of Time a little bit the other day. Same thing. It's like, well, I'm like a fucking 12 triangle green polygon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to play this game. Uh, but, yeah. yeah. See, but, that's what's fun, though, is the gameplay still holds up, at least in my opinion. Oh, yeah. Like, the graphics are a little janky at this point. But, you know, I'm always blown away. Like, dude, I was playing because uh, I'm really into the Final Fantasy games, and sometimes I go back uh, and. Uh, play seven because it's like the first the first disc of that game it's like i i have it like memorized just like everything <laughs> and uh and i'm always blown away I, obviously they just did uh painted you know hand painted uh two-dimensional backdrops and then they just moved the three-dimensional uh sprites you know across it and made it look like it was you know a three-dimensional game space yeah and but I'm always blown away by how good it looks. I mean the the obviously the character models are pretty shitty, but <laughs> other than that, like the game still looks pretty good with those hand painted backgrounds. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One, one MMO that I played like the most growing up was Ragnarok Online, which is the inverse of that. They have these like kind of like crude looking 3D backgrounds, but then all the sprites are like isometric 2D sprites. Yeah, on top of the 3D. But it still yeah. looked good, and it still is an art style that holds up. Like the game came out like early two thousands, and it still holds up. Yeah, yeah that's how medieval Age of Empires uh, is Total to War me. was like that. It's like yeah, those two D sprites, a lot of three D background. Yeah. Well, what's crazy though is like, well, for, first of all, like nowadays you can pretty much do anything if you put the time into it. Like the graphics are so good that are out there. Like you can use the Unreal Engine or like you know make stuff in Maya or Blender that just looks real you yeah know? and now like be, i don't know if it's because of that but it makes me not really care about it or want to deal with that like i know a lot of people that buy like you know the new xbox or whatever they're they're always like into the how good things look and there was a time i was like that like i remember playing half-life 2 for the first time and seeing the water effects and just be like oh my god it looks so good you know but now it's like maybe it might be because i'm making games but i just don't care about graphics anymore i don't buy well, the latest a... stuff and i you know I, yeah there's well, there's there, a, it's like about a choice. charm yeah. yeah it's like a choice nowadays though where before it wasn't a choice like right. the latest games just had good graphics. Mm-hmm. Now, the you know some of your favorite games could come out and they could just look like a Super Nintendo game, and they're is just as fun as anything else that you're playing that's current. Right. But and that was just the point, look, right? They made right. that game, and they're like, "We're going to make a game look like a Super Nintendo game." Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and that's and it's a choice, and it's a choice on the devs, and it's a choice on the people who are buying it. Right. And so it, it's like it almost it, yeah, it just doesn't even matter. It's not a thing anymore. Like right. you can go ahead and make. Triple A games with triple A graphics, 
and there's going to be people who want to buy it. But if that's not what you want to do, that's fine because there's people who aren't who are still interested in buying those other types of games. Yeah. Well, and it's also cool to like think about too what those games were developed on and what they were played on. Like those those computers were so terrible. Like compared to what we have now, you know, like my phone just my phone probably destroys that gaming PC that I was talking about. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah. like it's wild to think about like reading masters of doom, thinking about what they programmed on back then. Oh Even my just God. Just like the nineties. Yeah. But like I wanted to talk like my game looks like it should run on an Apple two E. Yeah. Like it's just black <laughs> and purple and that's about it. Right. But yeah, I, I was reading something that was like, we have exponentially more computing power in our phones than we do like in 1970 when we like went to the moon right yeah you know yeah. what i mean like it's crazy yeah. our, but our, i think i i read that it's like the current iphone maybe not even current because this was a couple years ago that's like it's 1200 times more powerful than the <laughs> computer that that took us to the moon in apollo 11 right and granted that was like reading punch cards and shit but <laughs> yeah Still, oh. it's it's pretty impressive how far we've come. I mean, sooner or later, they're just going to have rocket ships that you can just plug your iPhone into and just be like, go to the moon. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> one, one day. Yeah. But also, like, I think, like, it's almost made us, I feel, lazy as programmers because now it's like we have 16 gigabytes of RAM. It's like yeah. 20 years ago, you didn't even have 16 gigabyte hard drives. Right. <laughs> like, and it's like, oh, yeah, sure, I'll write my program, like, lazily, and it'll just suck up four gigs of RAM, and, and that's fine. Yeah. Well, and, like, we're, like, okay with that nowadays. Yeah, I remember yeah, when I, I remember. I was... <laughs> 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 Sorry. Go ahead. When I was taking some computer science classes, like, they were always talking about efficiency, you know, which is, like, that's what computer scientists think about. But nowadays, I'm, like... What does it matter if I have, like, a for loop that's running constantly on, like, <laughs> 10 different scripts in Unity at the same time? If it doesn't crash the program or slow it down, who cares? <laughs> you know, it works. Well, uh, remember some of those – remember those tricks people used to do in high school where you create, like, a batch file that just, like, opens itself, like, infinitely? It, like, yeah. just forever oh, yeah. until the computer crashes? It would just open up so many freaking tabs of this batch file, and it would just continually open itself, and then the computers would crash at school. <laughs> and it, you just you would disguise it to like look like a regular old file, and somebody's like, oh, I'll click on this, and then, <laughs> and then their computer crashes. Well, somebody was doing that the other day on their modern computer, <laughs> and it just kept opening, and their computer was fine. <laughs> like, nothing happened, you know? They let it run for like 20 minutes. Uh, <laughs> and it just kept opening command prompts. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, okay. So story time involving batch files real quick and about how I was not allowed to use computers for the remainder of my time at grade school. Oh, gosh. Uh, <laughs> we had a computer lab in grade school and I wrote a batch script that opened up a command prompt in like red and white text and said like uploading virus or, or something like, <laughs> name like that. And I saved it to the desktop and I changed the icon to Internet Explorer and I deleted <laughs> the Internet Explorer shortcut. 
<laughs> and somehow we had like shared user accounts or something, but it ended up on every computer in the computer lab, which was not the intention. And <laughs> they, had, they called in this like expensive computer tech and they like threatened to make my parents pay for it. And like oh I got suspended God. and like wasn't allowed to use computers the rest of grade school because <laughs> I wrote a batch script that said uploading virus. That's hilarious. <laughs> How oh. funny is that they just like lose their minds over that? I remember I remember there was this virus that was going around our high school and it was spreading through I can't remember what it was called, but it was spreading through thumb drives. But the way that you could keep your thumb drive clean was by creating a folder with the same name as the virus. Oh, and it go. would prevent the virus from writing onto your thumb drive. That's awesome. And I remember one of the teachers flipped out because they were go- like, this was a huge process where no matter what they did, they just couldn't get the damn school clean of this virus. And I remember doing a presentation. I plugged in my thumbstick and, and was trying to get up my PowerPoint or whatever. And the teacher was like, no, what have you done? You've reinfected the system. Yeah. <laughs> Back then we had... Uh, Man, there was some fun yeah, shit back portable then. Portable Half-Life. Had, yeah, I was going to say we had yeah. Quake 3 oh, installed Quake 3, like yeah. on some hidden computer and everybody would just run it through the network. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's, that's so what Toyota does at his library nowadays. Oh, yeah. Right? You know it, dude. Oh, yeah, dude. <laughs> Got to get those mad uh, rail shots going, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of, uh, I guess I probably can't get into what we do to protect our stuff at work, but there's a lot of interesting things <laughs> used to lock down those PCs. <laughs> oh, man. Wow, uh, that is interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 well, uh, we're, uh, Taylor just needed a cool story. I, yeah, I don't have... He tried. I'm old and my mind is going, I can't keep up with you young whippersnappers. Bro, we're like almost the same age. <laughs> hey, dude, I'm getting, I'm close to thirty now, so I'm getting close to senior citizen status. Aren't you born the same year as me? Or are you what? No, no, eighty nine, bro. So you're a year older than me. I'm barely. like, I'm a year and a half older than you. I thought there was a time where we're the same age. Twenty eight. Oh, okay. All right, you are <laughs> seven years older than me then. Almost, oh, about almost so you'll, you'll turn 29 and then I'll turn. Okay. Yeah. I thought for some reason that there was a time where we were like briefly the same age every year. But... That's probably like Kurt. You and actually, yeah, I think you and Kurt are like almost the same age, right? But he's February. Yeah. Oh, I guess that's true. Yeah, like eight months. Anyways. Uh, hey, Maddie. <laughs> uh, do you want to share some links to your stuff so that our listeners can check out what you're working on? Uh, yeah. I mean, I guess that gives me a week to update my website. Um, <laughs> maddiekins.com is where I'll, I post a lot of the games I do. I'm at maddiekins with a one instead of an I, so M-A-T-T-Y-K-1-N-S on Twitch and Twitter. Um, yeah, that's all the links I got. Cool. Yeah, man, we're looking forward to checking out the Grape Escape. Yeah, uh, It's going to be too. really fun, and all of you guys listening out there, make sure you put that on your wish list when it comes out on Steam. It's going to be good. Yeah. Do you have, like, a, a, a stream schedule that you, like, try to keep to, or... Yeah, I, so I typically <clears throat> keep to Sundays, Tuesdays, Thursdays at 10 p.m. Pacific time. Perfect. Um, 
But I, I think I'm going to start mixing that up soon and maybe throw an early day in the mix or maybe stream earlier on Sundays or something. Um, cause it's kind of hard for me to stream that late every night. And I usually end up only being able to stream about two hours because of that. Right. Um, and I can never catch you cause I go to bed. I know. And I just really, I just want Taylor to be able to watch me stream. Yeah. So you should do it on but, a yeah, Saturday then so I can watch it while I have slow times at work. That'll be good. <laughs> yeah, but that, that's a stream schedule right now. It might change up a little, but I think the Tuesdays, Thursdays at 10 p.m. is, is pretty safe. Cool. Sweet, dude. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, guys, so hit him up on Twitter, at Maddykins, all that sort of thing, and find him on Twitch. You just heard his Twitch schedule. Um, due to change any day now, apparently. And uh, <laughs> and hopefully by the time you guys listen to this, his website is, is updated. If not, harass him on Twitter and tell him to get on it. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and as always, you guys can tweet at us. We are at GameDevsQuest. Um, you can email us, gdq at airpodcast.com. And you can join our Discord server, and you can harass Maddikins over there if you'd like. Uh, we uh, have that link, bit.ly forward slash GDQ Discord. And if you guys um, would like, if you ever see anything that you're interested in on HumbleBundle.com, uh, we are partnered with them. And any purchase you make using our affiliate link, goes uh, a small portion of it goes to us and helps us keep the lights on, helps us keep doing this podcast every week, helps us keep the, the Discord server going, all that sort of thing. And um, yeah, yeah, I do want to... Oh. What? I do want to mention, too, uh, Maddie Kins was talking about just supporting other game, uh, game Devs Quest streamers. Check out bit.ly forward slash GDQ streamers. And those of you streamers listening, if you are not part of our Game Devs Quest community on Twitch... Make sure to add GDQ in the community section on Twitch so that you can show up on that link. You can get hosted by the rest of us right. GDQ streamers. And I think I think you can have like three communities at a time or something, right? Yep. Or, yeah, up to three. So there's really no reason not to. Yeah. Yeah, I harassed Ghost Goats Games yesterday. I was like, you're lucky I hosted you today. <laughs> get on the community. Yeah, dude. You <laughs> I was nice level. doing that, but... <laughs> And uh, keep listening back every week, guys, and we'll uh, try and keep you updated um, on when Grape Escape is going to be released. So we'll make sure we do a big shout-out for you when that comes out, Maddykins. Oh, yeah. I don't think I gave you guys a timeline on that. I think I've got basically the whole month of June off, and so I think expecting a July release date is... Oh, yeah, yeah dude. Fourth of July. America! July 4th, Call of Honor, Grape Escape from Alcatraz. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's an Italy ret. Grape Escape from Italian concentration camp. (laughs) Well, Maddikins, thanks for joining us, dude. It's been a pleasure, as always. Looking forward to see what you do. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, guys. We appreciate it. And uh, hey, cue that music. Oh, yeah.